You're listening to the latest preaching from Brixham Community Church. Welcome to session four on Prayers of the Righteous, which is a series I'm making up as I go along. So we've um, started early on in the Bible looking at various prayers, various righteous people, and we know that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. However you feel about your prayers, God hears everyone and um, we need to know that our prayers are powerful we need to learn about prayer and the Lord has been speaking to me more and more about intimacy and the value of sometimes intimacy over activity and sometimes we're very activity driven uh, and what God's asking is that we come into his presence and we draw near and what a privilege it is to be able to boldly enter the throne room of grace and stand before a creator of a universe and and talk one-to-one with God. And so that's what this series is about. What can we learn from some of the prayers in the Bible by some of the people in the Bible? And there's so much you could say. And today I've just picked one line from all of the things David said. You could do a whole series on David. Just by looking at the Psalms, David prayed for vindication. He prayed for justice. He prayed for God to rescue him. Obviously, he prayed prayers of praise and thanksgiving. He prayed about God being his rock, his fortress. He asked God to rescue him out of the slimy pit. We know lots of things that David prayed, but I just wanted to focus on one thing because I felt like it was an important message about praying for God's will. So in Psalm 143 and verse 10, David says, teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. So we want to know his will and um, we want to know how to do it. So I want us to talk about praying for God's will. What can we learn then about this prayer, this very simple prayer. So in your notes I've put my four points, so it's a bit of a spoiler alert, but I've got some things to say about each one. Um, And the first one is that it shows that we're born again because we'd not be praying this prayer if we didn't believe. If you didn't have any faith in God, um, we wouldn't be asking God his will. And I know it sounds a bit of an obvious point, but um, just to go into Isaiah 53 and verse 6, it says, We all, like sheep, have gone astray each of us has turned to our own way and the lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all that's jesus Um, but we've all gone our own way our natural propensity our natural thing to do is to go away from god so if we're asking god his will and teaching us to do it it shows that we've made that turn around without god we've actually no reason to seek his will and generally speaking we don't care if we've not given our lives to jesus We don't care about what God's will would be. It says in Ephesians 2 verse 3, All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh. And that's what we lived for. That's what, in the natural, when we're at our worst, even as Christians, we've got this battle going on with the flesh. And we want to gratify the cravings of the flesh and follow its desires and thoughts. So rather than following God, we want to follow our own desires. But the renewed mind is not like that but in Ephesians 2 and verse 3 it says like the rest we were by nature deserving of wrath the true believer is the new creation though and there is a change of heart repentance has taken place and a complete change of direction and so we read in 2 Corinthians 5 
anyone who's in Christ is a new creation. And that's why we're praying that prayer this morning. So anyone who claims to have committed their life to Christ but has no real desire to follow his will, and there are such people in the world. I've spent a lot of time amongst lots of Christians and in Christian establishments who call themselves Christians or name themselves as Christians. But when it comes down to it, when it comes to following the will of the Lord, have they really understood the gospel? Have they really understood the gospel by saying that they're a Christian? Because when it comes down to it, not everybody actually takes the plunge and wants to follow his will and, and wants to pray that prayer, teach me your will. Every genuine convert to Christianity will find themselves asking, teach me to do your will. So praying this prayer in all sincerity is a sign that you're a born again believer. If you've asked Jesus into your heart and you're praying this prayer and you mean it, congratulations, you're a child of the King and he is pleased with you and he will surely answer in due course. The fact that you care, the fact that you're bothered about his will, the fact that you came out tonight on a cold, rainy night to hear about the word of God suggests to me that your heart is in the right place and he will show you his will. So the first thing is praying that prayer shows that we're born again. The second point is that we learn from it, what I learned from it by reading it was that it involves faith. You wouldn't pray this prayer if you didn't have any faith and, and faith that God has a plan for your life. Again, I, I've dealt with lots of people who believe in God and um, some of them younger people who've been brought up in, in church life and they believe in God but they don't really connect with the idea that God's actually bothered about them enough, loves them enough, actually passionate about them enough to have a plan for their life, to, to, to take them to Psalm, I think it's Psalm 139, where it talks about God seeing you before you were born and all the days were written for you in his book, uh, written about you in his book. And he, he knows all about you. He, he knit you together in your mother's womb and he cares. So to pray this prayer suggests that you believe that you believe that he has a will and a plan for your life it involves faith faith that God actually has a plan Paul said to the Colossians we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will imagine being filled with the knowledge of his will wow and Paul's continually asking God that for the Colossian church in Colossians 1 verse 9 that was Imagine me filled with the, with the knowledge of his will. I don't think I could contain it. But he also says in the same verse, it comes from the Holy Spirit. This is not by human understanding. Again, in church life, I've been on um, various courses and, and some of them are Christianized versions of um, find your own path, find your own plan. And indeed, I've led courses like that too. And some of them are very helpful to help you have a bit of self-discovery. What are my skills? What are my talents? What are my passions? And all that sort of thing. But human mechanisms can only take you so far we need the holy spirit to give us revelation the holy spirit lives in you he will give you the revelation that you need just to read that verse colossians 1 verse 9 in its in its entirety we continually ask god to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives so imagine how much wisdom and understanding we can gain just through our own procedures and processes and thinking. And I love going for a long thinking walk and churn things over in my mind. But that will only take me so far down 
the road. But just think about this. All the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. That's huge. That's immense. This is the, the Creator God and His Spirit and all the wisdom that He can give. And Paul is praying that these Christians, and I believe he would pray the same for us today, that we would know his will out of that, out of, um, born out of time with God and understanding him through his Holy Spirit and understanding ourselves through the Holy Spirit. Do you really believe God has a plan for your life? Does, does, does the current evidence ever suggest otherwise? Sometimes, maybe it does, Yeah. We've got to hold firm to his promises. Forget the evidence around us, or not necessarily forget it, sometimes we can't. But remember, they're his plans, not ours. And sometimes we say, I believe he's got plans for my life. And in our minds, we have a preconceived idea as to what that, what that might look like. And sometimes his plans, in fact, very often, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our ways. Because as high as the heavens are above the earth, so much greater are his thoughts and so much higher are his ways than ours so lord teach me to do your will even while things don't make sense in both the highs and the lows of life so this is a prayer of faith it's a prayer of faith that god has a plan whatever the circumstances say god has a plan for my life lord teach me what it is and teach me to walk in it third point is it requires surrender David prays, teach me to do your will. If we pray this, we're acknowledging that we need to be taught. We need to have a teachable, a teachable spirit. What if, just what if, God was more willing to guide us than we were to be guided? Just what if? I'm not saying he is, because some wonderful people in here. But sometimes, what if God was more willing to guide us than we were willing to? to be guided. I'm sure that you might agree with me that sometimes I identify with a verse that says we all like sheep have gone astray. We've gone our own way. And I believe that God really wants to guide us. Is it possible that if we ask God to lead us in his way, we can also close our minds to some of the things he might have to say because we've got our own idea as the way we want him to be leading us. A prayer like this requires total surrender. Lord, lead me in your way. Somebody said to me this week, just this week, someone from our church, not in my family, just in case you think I've just been chatting to my kids. Somebody said to me this week, I'll do anything for him and I don't care where it is. It's just this kind of passion of, I'll just go anywhere, I'll do anything. Isn't that a wonderful thing to hear somebody say? Don't hear that every day. And it blessed me to hear that person say, I'll go anywhere, I'll do anything for him, and I don't even care where it is, and I believe they meant it. That's an attitude of total surrender. I've put in your notes, I think I put it in your notes, Romans 12, 1 to 2. Have a look at these verses. Paul is talking. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice i'm talking about surrender i'm talking about teaching god asking god to teach me how to do his will i'm saying that it requires surrender and i just think this verse is so important we're going to offer our bodies that's all of us that's everything as a living sacrifice 
holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. It's funny, isn't it? If you were to stop um, a Christian um, after church, at our church, over coffee, tea, hot chocolate, and say, do you know what? I'm just doing a little survey. I wondered if you could help me out. What would you say would be true and proper worship? And, and, and you know, if they've not just read this verse and they weren't keyed up to it, I wonder what kind of answers you'd expect. If we'd just been in church, probably thinking about, well, putting your hands in the air and the, the, having the right doctrine in the songs, uh, and, and all those things are good. But Paul says, your true and proper worship is to offer your whole self. This is a prayer of surrender. Teach me your ways. Verse 2 of Romans chapter 12. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. That's why I picked the verse. It's all about God's will. His good, pleasing and perfect will. Now, I said before, do you really believe that God has a plan for your life? And you said, yes. Some of you spoke out, yes. Well, I'm telling you it's true. And I'm also telling you that his will is good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. It might be painful at first. It might be not what you thought you wanted it to be. But it is the best thing for you. He saw you in your mother's womb. He plotted out a plan for you. And I know we have free will. And we, I know we have choice within that. And I'm not saying God's will is a tightrope. And if you get it wrong, you've missed his will. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying he cares enough about you and loves you passionately enough to have a plan for your life. And he's crafted you for a purpose. You are here for a reason. But there is, there is surrender. And that's why David says, teach me to do your will. So these verses, Romans 12, 1 to 2, number one, offer your body. Number two, believe that offering your body to God is pleasing to him. You might look in the mirror and think, how can this be pleasing? Man, I'm decaying. <laughs> I'm getting old. I went to the dentist yesterday and things started to be sensitive. They didn't used to be sensitive. And she's starting to talk about fillings and I'm decaying. I'm getting older. How can my body be pleasing to God? But it is, because he's looking at my attitude, my heart, and I'm offering him all that I've got. Offer your body. Believe that it's pleasing to God. Don't conform to what's around you. That's more and more important to us. It's one, it comes out, and I talk to um, people who come to these evenings, that more and more that it's a, a, almost a strict value that we will not conform We've talked about it in previous sessions when we used to meet in the other place and talking about the difference, the, the separation of the word from the world and, and the, the, the gap seems to be widening between the word and the world. We're not to conform and it's very easy to do. It's very easy to um, slip into worldly thinking and accept social norms that aren't biblical norms, that aren't biblical um, things that are accepted so offer your body, believe it's pleasing to God, don't conform, renew your mind and then you will know his will. Paul's giving David, if, if Paul and David had been alive at the same time, Paul's giving David um, a, a plan. David's asking, teach me your will and it's as if 
Paul's writing back to the, from the New Testament saying, well, this is how you do it. Of your body, and I'm sure, you know, David would, would agree, you know, these things are pleasing to God. I'm not going to conform. I'm going to renew my mind and I will know his will. But it involves surrender. So it shows that we're born again. If we pray this prayer, it involves faith. It requires surrender, but it also suggests action. You know, it's quite lazy sometimes if we just say, well, just let whatever God wills. It's almost like, uh, let your will be done, which we all know Jesus prayed, taught his disciples to pray, let your will be done. It's almost as if we can, if we're not careful, let that become um, kind of like a case, sarah, sarah. Well, what will be, will be. Whatever the Lord's will will be done. But no, David's saying, teach me to do your will. It's not just discerning it's discerning and doing it's too easy to say let his will be done and then assume no action is to be taken part for yourself let's pray not only that we would know his will but also trust that he will give us the knowledge the skills and everything we need to do his will the bible says he's given you everything you need for life and for godliness and he will allow you to do that but there is stuff for us all to do and some of us don't like that idea. We just want to bask in the grace of God. And that's good for a time. And some of us need that. We need that time of healing and, and intimacy. But at some point, as well as allowing God to work in you, he wants to use you. He wants to work through you. And that's a very exciting thing to do. So finally, I thought it would be good to think a little bit about how does the Lord teach us his will? And I've got six ideas, not all my own, just things I've gleaned over the time. First one, through his word. And you can see in your notes, there's a, a W and a blank. Did anybody guess that it was words? Oh, yeah. oh, very, very good. Yeah, I thought you might have done. Keeps you awake though, eh? In the Bible, we've got a declaration of God's will in general terms. Most of the guidance God's, God gives in his word is through uh, certain clearly stated principles. We know God's will in so many ways. We also know what God's will isn't. It, it isn't God's will that anyone would perish. We see general principles of God's will. So anything after this in my next five points needs to line up with the word of God. Anything you're seeking God for, anything you think God might be leading you into or saying, it absolutely has to not contradict the word of God. The second one is promptings of his spirit the promptings of his spirit david knew this even before the holy spirit had been poured out at pentecost david lived a thousand years before then but he talked about god's good spirit look at the verse our key verse again for tonight it says teach me to do your will for you are my god comma semicolon actually uh, may your good spirit lead me on level ground the prompting of the holy spirit don't forget point one, the prompting of the Holy Spirit will never contradict the Bible that he inspired. Okay? We believe that the, the Holy Spirit inspired the writing of the Bible and he won't lead you to do anything that contradicts the, the general principles in the Bible. So we've got his word. Number two, we've got his, the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Number three, closed and opened Doors. Oh, yeah, we're good. We're getting, we're jumping in now. I like it. It proves you're awake. William was first, by the way, I think. Unless. I was. 
What, what? Jasmine was first. For the record, and I know there's people listening who don't even know who these names are, but for the record, Jasmine was first with Doors. Well, I would say... You let William have it. Yeah, you gave it him. Yeah, William. Hold back next time. Be a gentleman. Make sure it's Jasmine. And uh, the rest of you, it's all to play for. <laughs> I would say that um, under the umbrella of the prompting of the Holy Spirit and lining up with the Word of God, God most practically has spoken to me in the big decisions of my life through closed and open doors. When it's been career moves or any other kind of big decisions, house moves, those sort of things, um, sometimes doors have just slammed shut in my face and I've been praying them open, you know, like... If, if prayer was pressure, I'd be pushing the door open with prayer and God's like, slams shut. And it's clear to me that um, if you surrender your life to Jesus, my personal experience is that he does close and open doors, as well as guidance through his word and prompting us through the Holy Spirit. Um, the fourth one is good advice. <laughs> I gave them the A, but um, I thought someone might think attitude. Good advice. And if I'd have given you my scripture for that, you'd have got it because it says in Proverbs 15 and verse 22, plans fail for lack of counsel, but, me but with many advisors, they succeed. I think that's important, many advisors, because you could easily just shop around for the I think I'll just ask Antonia about this thing because I think she'll 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 agree with me, um, and and I've, I've seen I've seen Christians do this. You know, so well I've spoken to so and so about this, and and we both believe it's God's will. Um, and well, why didn't you ask me? Because I don't think it's God's will. <laughs> you know, and sometimes I've been. Um, yeah, I know. I I used you as an example, but it was it was a fake example. Um, I think the father agrees no, with me. I think and father agrees oh, with me. Oh, I think and father agrees with me. Yeah, yeah. It's good to take advice and counsel from a variety of good Christian people. This is why I think home groups are so good um, and small groups of other kinds. And, and even William's prayer group on a... It's not really William's, it's just in his house. But the prayer group we have on a Tuesday, people like that who are good praying, Bible-believing Christians, talk to them. I'm thinking of this. Don't put it on Facebook and say, um, Richard is looking for advice. And then you get a, a million answers and then people answering the answers and you've got these threads of threads of people. And then they go off onto some, I've seen it, go off onto some theological banter about something that's just distracting. Anyway, pick carefully, pick a range of believers and seek counsel. I think that's so, so important. Before we move down here... Um, I talked to a number of people, um, talked to my dad, I talked to um, some of you know Stuart Keir, who's a friend of mine. I talked to my then minister at the time. You know, I just picked a few people who I could trust just to not tell me what they thought straight away, just to listen and talk it through. So good advice. God's given us each other. That's why we live in community. It's why it's not good for man to be alone. We need each other. And that it's not good for man to be alone. I know that's a quote from Genesis where Adam gets Eve. And so you've got to listen to your wife. That's, that's for sure. Happy wife, happy life. 
That's what I've been told. So, um, <laughs> and if she doesn't agree with God, you're in real trouble. So, <laughs> let's move on to the next one. Number five, peace. Peace is the next one. What do you think it was? Beginning with prayer. prayer. Yeah, I've got that. It's number seven out of six. Prayer. Yeah. Well, let's pray through all of this. I suppose it's all about praying, isn't it? I guess it's all about praying. It's all while we're praying, so prayer covers it all. So, peace. Colossians 3 tells us to let the peace of God rule in your heart. Colossians 3 tells us to let the peace of God rule in your heart. If you just, there, there was one decision that we were making um, as a couple at one time, and um, after a while of exploring it and thinking that it was, it was right, the more we explored that particular option, the only way we could describe it was we just felt dead to it. It just we just felt dead. We felt more peace about not doing it than than doing that thing. And um, so we didn't have a peace. And it's like an umpire. It rules in your heart. And so that says to me, I'm not to rush into a decision. Anyone who puts me under pressure and won't let me sleep on a decision, you know, door to door salesman. Well, can you? Can you give me a number and I'll ring you back? Or have you? No, no, this is a today-only deal. As well, I won't be doing it because I haven't had time to think it through and just, just calm down. That you know, I'm under pressure. I need peace. And there are things where I was. I mean, I've talked about it before. Been under pressure, nearly said yes, and there's just absolute lack of peace. I don't know what the word is for the opposite of peace, but just sort of anxiety or just not just feeling short of breath and this isn't right no i've got to bail out even though i've said yes even though i've shaken hands i'm going to just you know i'm pulling out and and the, the relief afterwards so let the peace of god rule in your heart the holy spirit lives in you jesus said my sheep hear my voice and god's not in a hurry okay just take time to breathe and search for peace and finally, got this out of my dad's book, Miracles It's the last one. Let's not rule out the miraculous, okay? God can speak through miracles. He can speak through a man from Macedonia in a dream. He can speak through angels. He can speak through um, chance, so-called chance happenings. He can speak through the miraculous. And he can speak through a donkey, a talking donkey like he is right now. Not Don Quixote, no. <laughs> Do you know what it's like? It's like having a mixed ability class. It's like being back in school. <laughs> no advance at all. Right, moving on. That's, what's a... What's a... What's a, what's a honky-donky? Right. Yes, donkey... Don Quixote, Don Quick, quick Soaks to you is <laughs> is before your moving on. So um, this <laughs> none of this is getting edited out. So just think of the poor souls who have actually listened. If you're listening to this far, well done. God bless you. Um, special blessing upon you. Um, 
I'm separating miracles from the Holy Spirit promptings because I do believe that the, the Lord does speak to us through prompting us, through peace, through his Holy yeah. Spirit. But sometimes he'll do something physical in the natural world, world which is miraculous, and we should be on the lookout for it. We yeah. should listen for it. We should believe through a angelic agency and unexpected dreams and visions and all sorts of things. Let's not get fr freaky about it. Let's line it up with the other things about the peace and about the word of God and, and take counsel if you think it's a miracle and it's not a miracle or whatever. Um, God can speak through miracles. So there you are, six ways in which the Lord can teach us his Will. So let us pray then like David, that God would not only show us his will, but teach us how to walk in it. Remember how the verse ends with the Spirit leading us on level ground. Let's pray, believing that God will make a way for us as we make way for him and make way for his will in our lives. Amen? Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit Brixham.Church.